there. And so, uh, God willing, we will be done the building project before camp starts this summer. So, what a huge blessing. Um, yeah, yeah, praise God for that. So, um, looks like they're still fighting with the PowerPoint. That's okay. Um, so, we, uh, we're, we're thrilled about that. Our next project, as uh, most camps have, there's always another one that's uh, ready to go. Uh, we need another cabin. So, uh, we want to build a new cabin. And um, that, that'll give us four cabins on the guy's side and four cabins on the girl's side with, the, with this new one. And then what that does, it'll allow the LITs to um, be in a cabin as well. It'll free up some of the housing that we have for our other staff that come in and, and, uh, and help out throughout the summer. So, uh, yeah, so that's going to be our next project, uh, building a cabin. Uh, our cabins are a little rustic. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, we have no running water in them uh, or anything like that. We do have electricity, so that's, that's nice. So... Uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, we're excited to uh, look forward to that, um, possibly this fall, maybe next spring, uh, that we can start building that. So, excellent. <laughs> Keep talking, they tell me. Okay. Um, okay, uh, let's see here. Volunteers uh, for this summer. Uh, there's many ways you can be involved at camp. And um, one of the things that I'm excited to talk about this morning is um, if you are a college student that is returning to college, or if you have been accepted for college uh, or post-secondary education, um, for the first time, we are offering a bursary um, for, for those uh, people that want to come and help out at camp. It's not a huge amount, but it's, uh, uh, the camp will put $100 in and NCM will match that. So for every week you serve at camp, you get $200 that's sent to your uh, post-secondary education uh, for up to five weeks of camp and $500 in total. So it, it's a little, little something. To, I know you're not going to get uh, rich and it's not going to pay your entire schooling for you, but it is uh, a little something. Uh, camp dates. Um, which would really be nice to have that behind me. But uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll come back to camp dates. Camp, camp actually starts uh, July 3rd. Uh, it starts with uh, Teen Week. And then, uh, so July 3rd to 7th is Teen Week. Uh, what, what's, what's really cool is our last week of camp. <laughs> Merry Christmas. There we go. Okay. Uh, oh, that's interesting. So anyway, our last week of camp ends, and the following week is your VBS. And VBS is just like a miniature version of camp. So I figured it'd be, it'd be really cool if all you guys could come out to camp for all summer, get trained up really well, and then you guys could come back here and serve at VBS. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah! Yeah, so... Anyway, Merry Christmas still, huh? All right. Uh, so I, I'll, just, I'll just run through the uh, weeks of the camp. I'll go off of memory, so my wife may have to help me here because I don't have them written down. So uh, the first week is teen camp with uh, July 3rd to the 7th. The following week is junior teen camp. Uh, the week after, we are having what they call a scamper camp. So those are uh, the youngest kids 
that can come to camp. Uh, what, what age group is that? Seven to nine-year-olds. Nine so seven to nine-year-olds, it is only Monday to Wednesday camp, so it's a shorter, shorter week. And then we have uh, three weeks after that uh, of what we call junior camps, and that is eight to 12, 8 to 12-year-olds. 12. 12 so um, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's camp in a nutshell. Oh, there we go. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so that is, that is our uh, camps. Um, let me... Uh, uh, if any of those... Uh, so our last week at camp is uh, August, of, August 7th to 11th. August 7th to 11th is our last week at camp. Uh, if, uh, if none of those days work for you, and you would still like to come up to camp and serve, uh, June 9th to the 11th, it, it's a weekend. Um, it it's a, it's, happens to be our work weekend. So um, if you're thinking right now, oh, I'm not a carpenter, I, I can't really come and help. Um, if, if you can operate a rig, we could use you. Uh, there, there's a lot of cleaning that needs to happen. There's cabin setup that needs to happen. There's skills setup that need to happen. There is construction jobs that need to happen as well. Uh, so there's tons of work that need to happen during that weekend. So uh, if you guys want to put a team together, come on up on uh, June 9th to the 11th. That would be cool as well. Um, I do, do we maybe? No? Hmm. Okay, anyway, um, we have uh, tons of ways to serve at camp, and um, maybe, maybe not, oh, hmm, I am not leading singing. Oh, oh, hey, we're getting somewhere, we're getting somewhere, yes. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I didn't really want to get into the volunteer part unless we can, oh, there we go, excellent. <laughs> Does this work? It does. It does. Okay, so that, that's the bursary thing I was talking about before uh, for post-secondary school. There's our week. It's a camp. Um, yep. So, um, so in addition, that's the work weekend that I was talking about that, we, uh, that we're going to be doing June the 9th to the 11th. So, ways to volunteers. Uh, we have an LIT program that... Um, uh, LIT stands for Leaders in Training. So this is uh, a program that the, um, uh, I want to say 13 to 16 year olds attend. And uh, it, it takes place during those last three weeks of camp. So the LITs, uh, they come out and, uh, and then they get, they get really their part of staff and they, they help out in, uh, in ways um, do, leading the skills and that kind of thing. Uh, they have, they have uh, devotionals and stuff. They, they have devotionals and stuff to, to tr that's geared towards them. And it, it's a great learning uh, opportunity for, uh, for them. However, we need leaders to lead them as well, kind of thing, right? So uh, if, if, you're, if you're really wanting to be involved in, and you feel gifted in that, uh, in that way to lead LATs. Uh, it, it's really a cool ministry uh, for them. It kind of bridges the gap between camper 
when they, when, they, when they come as campers and when they're old enough to come as staff kind of thing, right? So it, it's a cool ministry, and, uh, but we need leaders for those three weeks. So um, uh, if you're interested in that, come and chat with me afterwards. Uh, we also need cabin leaders pretty much for every one of these weeks of camp. We need cabin leaders. Uh, so if you are 16 years or over, you can be in a cabin and you can help out. Uh, oh, now I did it. Oh, okay. Uh, we, you can help out being a cabin leader. So um, that's, a, that's a way you guys can be involved as well. Something that is new this year um, is uh, come and be a grandparent at camp. Um, we've never done this before, but we see the need of it. And so what a grandparent does is they just kind of hang out and uh, they get involved with the campers during the downtime kind of thing, right? So during talk time, the kids get their talk and then they just kind of hang out kind of together. And often we'll, you'll notice that there's one or two campers that are just kind of off by themselves and not really wanting to be involved at all. That's where the grandparents come in. They, they just kind of hang out with them. Or if, or if uh, um, often in a cabin, there'll be that one kid that requires the cabin leader's attention 24-7. Unfortunately, that leaves the other kids in that cabin possibly a little bit neglected kind of thing, right? So the grandparents can come alongside and, and uh, be with those other campers kind of thing, right? So uh, we, we see a huge benefit for grandparents at camp. And so if, that, if that's something that uh, excites you, um, definitely come and talk to me afterwards as well. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Ah, nurse and lifeguards. We can use nurse and lifeguards as well. Uh, now, 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 don't think that if you're not a qualified nurse, you can't come. Because really, nurse for camp, in camp language, is somebody with first aid. So, um, so ju just, yeah. Uh, if you have first aid and you, and you want to come and help out a camp, uh, you, you can do that. Uh, lifeguards, we do have some lifeguards still to summer. The first few weeks, we uh, definitely still need more. Uh, or, you can become a summer missionary. So what, what this looks like, um, if you want to come and serve at camp for six weeks to three months, uh, there is a thing, is such a thing called becoming a summer missionary. So what that allows you to do, it allows you to get up in front of your church like I am, and you get to ask your church to support you to uh, come to camp, and you can actually raise money, and uh, they, people can give through NCEM, to support you while you're at camp for those three to six months. Uh, it's kind of a neat way to uh, be involved in camp ministry and get a small taste of what uh, being a missionary is like and for a, a very short period of time. Uh, the, other, um, the, the other way you can go is uh, we have internships. So internships last from three months to a year. Now, this is a sweet deal. If I knew about internships before I became a missionary, I would have been an intern for a year, and then I would have became a missionary. Uh, interns, they get to go to camp. They get a place to live. They even get an allowance paid from NCM to them 
to cover all their basic needs while they serve for a year account. Um, it is a sweet deal. During that time, during that one year, they also get to start working on their, on their support raising. So uh, really sweet deal. Uh, the lady that is on my left, I'm thinking that's yours as well. Yes. Um, on the left there, that is Angel. She is an amazing young lady. Uh, I shared a little bit about her story last time I spoke. Maybe it was the time before. Anyway, um, and ask you guys to pray for her. Um, she is the only Christian in her family. She became a Christian at camp and when she was much younger. Um, attended camp her whole life, became an LIT, went to the LIT program, and, uh, and now, and then served at camp from 16 to 18 year old till she, she couldn't, um, oh, and she came back as staff year after year. Uh, she now joined the intern program. She was with us for a year, and just recently, she has expressed interest to be baptized this summer at camp. So uh, I get the privilege of baptizing her this summer. Uh, so exciting to see how much uh, growth in her Christian walk this, uh, over this last year. Uh, so yeah, so that's Angel. Uh, the, the lady next to her in the middle there, uh, that's Marcy. Marcy is a short-term missionary. Uh, she's serving um, her second year of, her, of the short term. And uh, so short term is really a missionary, but you're only serving for one to two years. After the two years are up, then you have the option of uh, continuing on uh, as a full-time missionary, like my uh, wife there, who's a full-time missionary who's there for life. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the uh, different ways that you can get involved with, uh, uh, with Pine Ridge and with NCM. The... Uh, the thing with this summer being involved with camp is uh, regardless if you've been there before or if you're coming to camp for the first time, we need you to go online and to register or to apply uh, to fill an application form. Uh, so if, so uh, let me quickly run through this here. I should have had it on a slide, but I don't. Uh, if you go to pineridgebiblecamp.ca, uh, on the top, top of the website, there'll be a spot to click that says Get Involved. And then there is uh, a drop-down window that says Volunteer as Staff. Pretty straightforward so far. Once you click on that, you'll get two options. One will be for returning staff, and one will be for new staff. Click on whichever one applies to you, fill out the details, hit Submit, and uh, we... Don't ask me how all that works, but we actually get the application and it, we can review it. So, yeah, so, um, so you guys can pull out your phones now. You can go to and, and fill it all out. And, okay. Um, so this year's theme uh, is uh, solid rock or sinking sand. So uh, based on uh, Matthew 7, 24 to 27, that is our theme verse. It is a verse that we'll be encouraging or verses that we'll be encouraging the campers to memorize this summer as they come to camp. And it is also the passage that I want to speak on this morning as well. 
So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to uh, Matthew 7, 24 to, Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. And I will dive into uh, the sermon portion this morning. So uh, I, I want to ask you a question this morning. What is your foundation? So when everything else is falling apart in your life, what do you hold on to? Is it, is it a rock that's solid, or is it some other object that sinks away into the sound? Let's read from, uh, oh, maybe. There we go. Let's read from uh, Matthew 7, uh, starting in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because he had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great, and great was it fall, was the fall of it. So this, uh, these verses that I just read are actually the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount actually starts back in chapter 5. It runs through chapter 5, all through chapter 6, and for the majority of chapter 7 as well. The sermon is really to show the Pharisees and the scribes really missed the mark when it came to understanding the law. And through Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he shows his authority. And, and really, it shouldn't be surprised to us because if we know our Old Testament, we would know that Moses was called the greatest of prophets. But that at the end of Deuteronomy, we're told that there's one yet to come who is greater than Moses. And so when Moses went up onto the mount to receive the law, so did Jesus go up onto a mountain to teach the law. And so when Jesus goes up onto the mountain, he is that greater prophet that, was, that we've been waiting for since we've read the end of Deuteronomy. And when, we, and when we read the verse in, in verse 24, and it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. So what, what are these words of mine that Jesus is referring to? Well, I, I think in context, they actually refer to the entire Sermon on the Mount. And... This morning, we, we don't have time to review the entire Sermon on the Mount to understand the teachings to be like the wise men, but I do want to flip back to chapter 5, and I do want to take a look at a few verses in chapter 5. Ah, here we go. Uh, so chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, reads like this. Do you think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth has passed away, 
Not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Ah, there it is. Therefore, and I better read it here. Therefore, whoever uh, relaxes one of these, of the least of these commandments, and teaches others to do the same, will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I will tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, Jesus comes not to abolish the law and the prophets. Now, now ju just as a quick refresher here, the law and the prophets, the law is referring to the first five books of the Old Testament. The prophets is referring to all the other books of the Old Testament. So, in saying the law and the prophets, Jesus could have said the Old Testament, but the Old Testament didn't exist like we have it today in our form. So, so he, it's referred to as the law and the prophets. We, we even see this in Luke. Uh, Luke refers to, uh, the to the Old Testament as the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Uh, again, in Luke 24-27, um, uh, he refers to the Old Testament as Moses and all of the prophets. So it's clear that Jesus is referring to the entire Old Testament and that the entire Old Testament to him was important to his teachings and that none of it will pass away until heaven and earth pass away. And that we should strive today to understand what the law is talking about. So then... When Jesus is referring to, uh, oh, sorry, but then Jesus makes a comment at the end of these verses. He, he makes a comment that would, would startle almost every listener of the day. He, he, makes, he makes this comment, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Everybody sitting in the audience would have thought, well, how is it even possible? Because the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the keepers of the law. They were the experts of the law. So if they couldn't do it, how is a simple common person ever going to experience the kingdom of heaven? Well, then Jesus goes on and gives six examples of how the scribes and the Pharisees fell short in their understanding of the law. And he goes on and explains God's heart behind each one of these laws. We don't have time to look at every six, all six of these examples, but I do want to look at one. And it's the next few verses in chapter 5. Maybe. There we go. Okay. So, verses 21 to 26 read like this. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. 
and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gifts at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First reconcile to your brother and then come to the altar or come offer your gift. Come to the terms quickly with your accuser while you are going to him, while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hands you over to the judge, the judge to the guard, and you are put into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you paid the last penny. Each of these six examples that Jesus used starts with this phrase, you have heard it said. And then Jesus goes on and quotes from the law. In this case, it's from Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. And the scribes and the Pharisees were simply teaching that you shouldn't take another person's life, but... As, as we see Jesus expand on this verse, we clearly see that that is not God's heart behind you shall not murder. For it doesn't, for it doesn't simply mean that you shouldn't take someone's life, but it means that you should not be angry with someone else, even to the point of calling someone a fool. L let, me, let me rephrase it and put it this way for you guys. It's not just taking someone's life, but it's treating everyone with respect and love because we are all created in the image of God. And to disrespect one person is to disrespect God. You guys catch that? It's to treat everyone with respect and love because we are all created in God's image. And to disrespect one person is to disrespect God. L let me make this a little bit more personal for you. So, uh, and, and I'm going to use Pastor Dan as an example, seeing he just left, so that's perfect. <laughs> um, so, Pastor Dan has been here three and a half years? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, it's a good thing you didn't say, yeah, three years, six months, <laughs> 12 hours. No, uh, Yeah, yeah, so uh, you've been here roughly three and a half months. Three and a half months, three and a half years. Thank you. Um, so so they, they have just, they've just really come out of what, what I like to call the honeymoon stage of a pastor kind of thing, right? So, so the honeymoon stage of a pastor usually typically lasts two, two and a half years, depending on the congregation and how loving and caring the congregation is. But, but during that time, you can't really do much wrong as a pastor and get in trouble, kind of thing, right? Everybody just chalks it up to, oh, he's new, he'll get used to it, he'll get used to the way we do things. And, and so that's kind of the honeymoon stage of a pastor kind of thing, right? So with him being here three and a half years, he's just nicely come out of that honeymoon stage. And so... Everybody's starting to think, okay, yeah, you know, I really wish he would wear a suit and tie while he preaches. No, no, and then, then you get to this other group of people, I really wish he would just wear jeans and t-shirts for preaching. And then you get another group of people that will say, you know, I really wish 
he would come and visit more. And then you get another group of people, I really wish you would just stay away. <laughs> and so as, as a pastor or as a congregation, let me ask you a question. Do you love and respect your pastor now the same as you did when he first came? And if you've answered that question in your mind any way other than no, no, we love and respect our pastor more now than we did when he came. You may want to check your heart with God's. Because it doesn't have to be your pastor. He was just an easy target for me this morning. It could be the person sitting in front of you. It could be the person sitting beside you. You all know the scriptures better than I do. Where it says, love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Guess who your neighbor is? It is everyone, particularly the ones you don't like. So that's me going off on a rabbit trail. Back to my sermon. Jesus goes on and explains his heart, not just for murder, but he also explains his heart behind the issues of lust, divorce, taking an oath, retaliation, loving your enemies. And each time he starts with the quote, quoting a law from the Old Testament and then expanding it, showing what his true heart really is. And so when Jesus is wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount and he says the words, everyone who hears these words, it's these words that we just took a small glimpse at that he is referring to. And, and, and you know what? It, it would be, it'd be so great, and, and this is coming from somebody that loves to study Leviticus, so uh, it, it'd be so great to take one law, one law a day, and to understand God's heart behind it and do that for 365 days a year But none of it would make a difference if we didn't let that knowledge to go from here to here for it to really impact our lives. That is why, that is why the wise man is only wise when he hears the words of Jesus and then does them. Now, I, I want to put that thought on the back burner for a few minutes We'll come back to it when we start getting to the foolish man. But for now, I, I, want to, I want to focus on the wise man. So the wise man is compared to the house built on a rock. Some translations say bedrock. And, uh, excuse me, I could tell you so many stories from camp as to how important it is to build your buildings on bedrock. For example, John's laughing there. Uh, for, for example, um, our dining room, our old dining room, 
uh, which is now named the Batcave for appropriate reasons. Um, but the, the floor of the, of this, of the Batcave, it, you don't need a level to know that it's not level. You can see it. It, it goes like this all through the, all through the, the floor. And it, you guys think, yeah, I'm exaggerating. No, I'm not. It, it, it gets to the point where the doors, they, they, they swing into the, to this Batcave. We can't get into the building because the doors hit the floor. So we have every three, four years, we have to jack up the building so it's relatively level so the doors can actually swing into the building. It's hugely important to build your buildings on a solid foundation, on bedrock. Oh. So, this, the, the word rock in scripture, this isn't the first time it's used. Um, we, 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 see it, we see it used in the Old Testament a number of times. Uh, we, we see it used in a literal form. Uh, when, when, for example, when Jacob, he, uh, he has an encounter with God, and J God changes his name from, uh, from Jacob to Israel. He sets up this huge rock. He pours oil on it and, uh, to, to remember what, what took place there. Uh, we, we have the, the story, famous story of David and Goliath, right? He goes, he picks up five stones or five rocks out of the uh, brook to fight Goliath. We have the story of Moses. Moses striking the rock in the wilderness to get water out of it. Now, th this, this is another rabbit trail which I am not going to go down. But that rock is used metaphorically as well as a figurative law. So it is a f an actual rock, but it is actually used as a metaphor in the New Testament as well. And if you're interested in knowing about that, come and talk to me afterwards and we can chat about it. But um, the, word, the word rock is also used many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament as metaphors. Uh, to, to list a few, to list a few. There we go. To list a few. Uh, Psalm 61, or 62, verse 1. God is our rock and, I should say, fortress. Uh, Psalm 144.1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hand for war. Uh, Jacob. Um, we hear the, uh, describes God this way. The rock of Israel in Genesis 4. We see in Hannah's prayer um, that uh, Hannah refers to God as there is no rock like our God. Uh, it, additionally, we see David singing a song in uh, Psalm 18. It is the Lord who is my rock, my deliverer, and my fortress. And really, I could go on and on and on about examples of how the rock is used throughout scripture. So it is hugely important that we build our Christian faith on our life, on the rock, on Jesus. In verse 25, back in our main text, we find out why it is so important. we find out that it doesn't matter where the storm comes from. It comes from above when the rain falls. It comes from below 
when the floods come. The wind blows from every side of the house, but the house stands firm because it is built on the solid rock. It's built on Jesus' teachings that will be able to stand firm regardless of which direction the attack comes from. But we should also note that building on the rock or on bedrock is hard work. In Israel, they would have to dig down on average 30 feet in order to before they hit bedrock. Think about this. We're not bringing a huge excavator in and digging out 30 feet of ground to start to find the foundation. We're doing this by hand. I don't know when the last time it is that you guys dug a hole by hand. But it's a lot of work. I dug one recently at camp for a water line. We had to go down about 10 feet. It was crazy, man. Anyway, I couldn't imagine building a foundation by hand, 30 feet down. It is hard work. And so, but it's, it's, so it's hard work for us to spend time in God's word daily, reading it, studying it. And not just studying it for head knowledge, but studying it so we can apply it to our lives. It's hard work. So Jesus goes on and, and he compares the rich man to the foolish man. So you, you may notice in, in verse 26 that, that the foolish man, like the wise man, hears God's word. The only difference between the foolish and the wise is that the wise man actually does something about his, what he learns. He actually applies it to his life. He actually does it. The foolish man, he doesn't want to put the effort in to dig down those 30 feet. So, so he, he's happy with digging down and one or two feet and then just starting building his building there. He doesn't want to put the effort in. But the problem is, when we build on our own foundation, other than Jesus, when the storm comes, our life simply falls apart. And, and we don't have to look very far to see the brokenness in this world, the hopelessness, the bitterness, the hatred, the hurt, hurt from loved ones, maybe even hurt from within the church body. There's brokenness in this world. And everyone needs to hear about the good news of Jesus. And not just hear it, but to be able to put that teaching into their life and do it. People need the rock. They need the firm foundation. Now more than ever, people need the Lord. So, so, so how about you? What does your foundation look like when the storm comes? I hope you have a foundation in Jesus. And, 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 I, and I know many of you do. And that's why I want to look at one more verse. One more verse that, that pertains to you if you have that rock, if you already have that firm foundation in Christ, I want to share one more verse for you. It's actually a verse that Paul picks up. 
he picks up the theme of foundation and he carries that theme on in 1 Corinthians 3. It reads like this. By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay, a, can lay any foundation other than the one laid or, or already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown. For it is because, for it is, for, for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If, that, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even through only as one escapes through the flames." So only, the only foundation is Jesus Christ. But what are you building on it? Or, or maybe the better question is, what are you building on others' foundations? Are you building with gold, silver, costly stones? Are you building for the kingdom of heaven? Are you building in your own life and in others' lives, things that will last for eternity? Or are we building things out of wood, hay, and straw? Things that will burn up and will not last for eternity. So what is your foundation? Is it Jesus the rock? Or is it yourself, the sinking sand? If it is the rock, what are you building on that foundation? Let each of us examine ourselves and start building for eternity. You know, I got to say this because I work at camp. Coming to camp is one of the greatest ways, ah, maybe not the greatest ways, one of a great way that you can build for eternity. And I'd love to talk to each and every one of you about a way you can come and serve at camp. Uh, remember, if, if I don't get a chance to talk to you, remember to go online and to fill out that, that application form. Um, I would love to see you guys there. It means so much to us uh, when we see somebody from Manor pull up and, and want to serve for a week. So uh, it, it is great to see you guys there. Um, if you guys don't get our newsletters, uh, there, there are so many different ways you can stay in touch with us at camp. Uh, Roselle and I send out, we try to send out a monthly newsletter. Um, there, there's also a, uh, a newsletter that comes out from the camp that talks about 
the ministry of the camp in general. That comes out about every two weeks. It comes out via email. Uh, and then there's these here that come out uh, called the plank. They come out about every uh, twice a year, I believe. Uh, so if, if you guys want this literature, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Just put your name and email address there, and, and we'll get it to you. Uh, we, we love sharing about camp. I could probably sit here and talk for another two or three hours on camp, but I, I see my time's running up. So um, thank you very much for being patient with me this morning, and uh, God bless. <laughs>